You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Who's your Valentine? My Valentine, inappropriately enough. The tech-savvy at-risk youth, all of them. I gave them all big boxes of chocolates, inappropriate uh, kisses on the mouth, um, shampoo for the dreads because we're locked in a very tiny room, me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. And there's two of them with dreads, guys who would otherwise look good, look ridiculous. They look like toilet bowl cleaners, like they should be sitting in a little stand next to your toilet with their feet and butt and you pick them up and you – Scrub the shit off the rim. Just saying, guys. You're my Valentine's, but get a haircut. All right. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you, Savage Love listeners. I'm Dan Savage. This is the Savage Love Cast, the once a week obnoxiously uh, inappropriate comments directed at Tech Savvy at Risk Youth version of my sex advice comments after love. Um, we have lots of questions from people who are having issues uh, just before the High Holy of Holy Love Day approaches. So we're going to get right to them right now. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savagelove today for details. Hello, Dan. Um, on New Year's, I happen to have a brush with non-monogamy, I guess, a, a soft three-way, if you will. Um, and this friend of mine, a female, um gave me oral and it felt really good and um my girlfriend does the same for me and but even since then it's gotten better but um I wonder if there's a tactful way to kind of figure out whatever my friend was doing and tell my girlfriend how to do it I don't know if I mean obviously they're both pretty sexually open people but how do I bring that up you know ask my one friend what do you do and then I can tell my girlfriend and ask her for that, or maybe ask if they talk to each other. I mean, she's just, she's really awesome, and she's so TGG, and I guess I don't even know what happens. What if maybe my girlfriend noticed how much I enjoyed it, and I already talked to my friend, and is trying new things, and if I say something, she'll just feel like a failure, because she tried and didn't work. I don't know if that's, they would even talk about that. I, I just don't know. Uh, I just listened to your call. Alright. Uh so did you did you enjoy this three way? I did. Do you ever want to have a three way ever again? I do. Well then don't go to your girlfriend and say, Hey, your friend who sucked me off is so much better at blowing me than you are. Well, I didn't think about saying it that way well, per there's se. There's really no way to other there's no really no way to say even something similar to it or approaching it where it's not gonna be interpreted that way. Because a lot of people's big fear when they have a three way, particularly straight people is that they're going to be compared unfavorably to the other person in the sack. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, that a competition has been set up. And yeah. so if you really enjoyed uh, something about the way that other girl blew you, the only way to even come close to admitting it is to say, you know, she gives great blowjobs. She, she was really good at sucking dick. And then when your girlfriend says, better than me, you say, no. Different. Oh. Different. Not better. Different. Different. Okay. And then, and then you know, the, then you, the initiative 
it should be hers. If she's like, well, how? How did it feel different? What did she do differently? Then you can talk about it, and she can try to expand her blowjob skill repertoire set uh, under your instruction. But you can't say, you need to learn to give head the way X gave head, because X gives much better head than you. And now that I've had X's head, yours just doesn't cut it. No, and I, and I wouldn't do that. I mean, she's awesome, and I wouldn't, I mean, I would think I would have more tact than that, but I didn't, it was a strange idea in my head, and I didn't know how to get it out of my head. Uh, I would think you would have more tact than that, too. It's just that you need to have more tact than anybody. You have more tact than the State Department rolled up into a ball to, to say yeah. after a three-way. <laughs> okay, then I'll mention it offhand. Offhand, X gives great head. You do too, honey. It was just different. How was it different? Well, it was different this way. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then if you can have another three-way, maybe they can compare notes uh, while they're both uh, between your legs. That'd be nice. You can't set it up as a coaching thing unless you want the three-way spigot slammed shut. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. My question has to do with my relationship with my girlfriend. Um, make a long story short, she moved down here a, a couple months ago to be with me, so obviously she gave up a lot to come here. And you know, even though I really appreciated her for it, it's one thing that just was really like kind of I think hurting our sex life, um, and that's you know her real kind of lack of uh, attention to taking care of her bush. Um, She's an Italian girl, and it gets pretty unwieldy down there. I mean, you're talking about hair coming out of everywhere. And I've asked, and I've seen her, like, take care of it and make it look really good. Um, but there's something about her. She's just kind of disorganized and always, you know, she's a, a full-time student, full-time worker, and just always kind of a raveled person and she just seems to always forget to take care of it and and I, I can ask her nicely about it and she says she will but half the, she just forgets or like or she's or she'll get sensitive about it and then it'll make I'll feel like a dick so I'm, I'm trying to think of ways to, you know to, to solve this issue I mean one of the things I was thinking was that I, 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 I smoke cigarettes and I know she doesn't like it. And I've gotten to the point where I'm really only smoking one or two a day before I go to bed, which is, of course, the worst time for you to bed with somebody. And I, I would be definitely going to quit. Should I make some kind of like deal with her to quit smoking if she'll take care of that? Is that a stupid idea? I mean, will that even work? Um, or am I just totally on the wrong track? It doesn't sound like she's disorganized. It sounds like she's busy. She's got a job. She's a full-time student. And she's got a boyfriend who wants trim bush. I would suggest in a situation like that that the boyfriend trim the bush himself. That can be foreplay. You can tumble into the bathroom together and you can get on your knees between her legs and create the topiary that you wished you'd found uh, when you depantsed her to begin with. Um, that would seem less like you were making a demand and more like you were being of service. One less thing she has to worry about that week because her loving boyfriend uh, wants to do that for her. You can also, if you feel like you can't be trusted with a razor between her legs, and uh, maybe you can't, uh, get her a spa gift certificate. Send her off to have somebody else do it for her. If she's that busy and stressed out, make it a reward. Make it a relaxing thing. Make it something that she's going to enjoy too and not just one more goddamn thing she has to get done that week to please her demanding boyfriend. And regardless of the condition of her bush, you need to stop fucking smoking.
this fucking instant. Hey, Dan, it's one of your readers from uh, Washington, D.C. I just wanted to call in because I was reading um, Details Magazine, which used to get delivered to my boyfriend when we lived together, and now he doesn't live together. Anyway, Details is really interesting. And in the December edition, Tom Ford gave, like, the top ten, like, rules of style for men, I suppose. And number ten, he says that, this is to a guy, he says that if you're straight, sleep with a man at least once, and if you're gay, don't go through life without sleeping with a woman. So I just wanted to get your perspective and what you thought about that. Your boyfriend subscribes to Details Magazine? And he hasn't already slept with a guy? I'm shocked. Shocked and amazed. Details is pretty faggy uh, of the men's fashion magazines. uh, And that's setting the faggy bar pretty low because they're all of them pretty faggy. Uh, And Details seems to have a pro-gay agenda that tips over from just being pro-gay to being everybody ought to be gay to being why aren't you gay. And it does this wink thing with its readers because a lot of its readers are gay, but there are some straights. And it doesn't surprise me at all that Details is telling the handful of heterosexual male readers that it does have that it wants to fuck them too. It's a magazine kind of for fags, kind of by fags, with a thin fucking veneer of of presumed heterosexual readership. and, you know, they have a bone for their straight readers, all 14 of them, and they want to get in their pants. Of course they would say that. Of course they would pay Tom Ford to say that for them in their pages. But do I think – what do I think? Do I think everyone should at some point in their life bang uh, a member of the opposite sex if they're gay, a member of the same sex if they're straight, uh, another round if they're bi? Um, sure, maybe. You know, tra- it's like travel. Uh, slutting around is broadening. Um, can help you see the other side. I banged girls when I was a teenager under duress. Um, I have, uh, don't want to sound braggy, banged a couple straight guys in my time who I'm convinced were actually straight. Uh, and I was the one exception. Um, I've met girls that were like the one exception. I'm thinking particularly of a, a woman I mentioned before who's a Seattle firefighter who looks like Rolf from Sound of Music with 30 pounds of muscle. Uh, and I might do her or let her do me. I, you know, I would see her every once in a while and think, man, you know, uh, I could do her from the navel up and the knees down. Totally. So, you know, a lot of straight guys will encounter that one gay guy or that one guy in their lives who they click with sexually and they shouldn't be terrified of it. They should not feel like their heterosexual identity is going to be shattered or undermined just as I don't feel like my gay identity is shattered or undermined that there's this one lesbian firefighter that I would let do me in the ass and strap on dildo if that's what she wanted to do. But I don't think it does. I don't think it is actually because not that I offered, but you know. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. I'm currently reading uh, a terrific biography of Marie Antoinette by Antonia Fraser called Marie Antoinette, The Journey. You may not know this about me, but I am kind of a faggot and I like to read biographies of European queens. How faggy is that? Sometimes I listen to musicals while I read them. Um, but Antonia Fraser's book, uh, The Journey, Marie Antoinette, is absolutely terrific and it's available at audiblepodcast.com and you can download it perhaps for free uh, by going to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question about networking. Um, I was at a bar um, this past Saturday night and um, – 
There was a guy sitting next to me. Um, I'm 22. I live in New York City, and I got laid off. Um, he was like 39, and we started talking, and we started making out. Um, before we made out, though, he told me that I should contact him. He texted me his email address um, to see if he could do anything for me. Um, so I was, like, very, very drunk. I don't remember the end of the night. I know he went home. I know he texted me afterwards to say it was nice to meet me. Um, but I haven't really heard from him since. Um, so now it's uh, Thursday. This was last Saturday. And I got an email from my father um, telling me that um, one of his business contacts has a contact in New York with whom I should network. Um, it's the same guy. So I kind of don't know what to do. Um, should I network with this person? Um, it's like a movie. It, it's I can't believe that this happened. Um, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I should also mention that I was um, so drunk at the end of the night that I may or may not have fallen asleep at the bar. Um so yeah, how do I solve this? Like, do I contact him? I obviously can't tell my dad that I've met this person before, but I've already networked in my very own way. So you got shit faced in a bar, made out with a stranger, uh, fell asleep at the bar, sort of went home with him, and then your dad gave you this man's phone number as a potential professional contact. Yep. <laughs> an accurate summary. Well, um, maybe a little bit inaccurate. I um, I got pretty drunk. Uh, he wasn't there when I fell asleep, and um, uh, yeah, but we did make out, and um, that's about it. Apparently, like my friends knew that um, it was it was time for uh, time for time for me to go home. I like leaned my head back, and he started like kissing my neck, and they were like. I think she's, uh, I think the lights are, like, shutting off, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so then, um, about, like, a week, not less than a week later, um, I got an, an email from my father, um, telling me the name of his friend's friend who's a contact, like, a guy to contact in New York. Are you interested was, in this guy romantically at all? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't, no, not really, he's kind of a jerk, but, um, <laughs> It was, it was like a, it was very, a total Nora Ephron meet cute moment. If you call yeah, I know. Say, Guess what? We never like my, our tongues, and now we can never <laughs> the phone. Oh, it was like it's like a terrible romantic comedy with like Kate Hudson, and I don't want to be in it, but like I have to. Well, it's it would my only be life. A, it would only be a terrible romantic comedy with Kate Hudson if you were actually attracted to the guy. <laughs> that's and then true. That's you would use true. this as a way to get in his pants professionally. Leverage. Leverage. Yeah. But if you're not attracted to him, that actually makes it more complicated. Than yeah. Because you'd have to call him and say, yeah. oh, I made out with you, and I'm totally not interested in you in that way, but can you get me a job? And that's not going to play well. No. What I did is, I, well, he sent me a text message, like, right after he left the bar that said, um, that said, um, you're, you're a delight. It was lovely to meet you. Um, and I just sent him one back the next morning that said happy hangover and then I didn't hear from him <laughs> and um and then I got the the thing from my dad and I sent um I sent him an email actually because I figured that like I I didn't know if my my father's friend who is his professional contact would let him know 
So I figured I'd just, like, bite the bullet. So I wrote him an email that was like, you can't make this up. Um, and then I said, like, it's a small world. And he, he wrote me back, like, maybe he wrote, I can uh, maybe trade some of my dirty old man karma for some helpful karma. So I uh, guess... He's feeling a bit oogie, perhaps, about making out with a woman who's, what, 15 years younger than he is? 16 years 15, younger? 17. 17 years younger. Uh, so yeah. he feels bad making out for a girl old enough to be his daughter, so he might be able to transmogify <laughs> his uh, old man sure. for you uh, into something <laughs> a little more constructive and appropriate, like a little professional assistance. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, the, the before um, I, I was, like, drunk enough to... I like, don't do that either. Uh, before I was drunk enough to make out with someone in a public place, he was like, you seem much older than you are. Like, you yeah, seem yeah, much yeah. more mature. You, he was like... You, and then he... You don't do that, that until like you him. did it. You don't do that until you did it. Oh, now exactly. You, now, you, now you've done it, you have to say that, yeah, you are the kind of person who would do that because you did it. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing I would do, except I did. <laughs> except for one time when it happened. Right. Add enough right. alcohol and everybody's the kind of person who'll do anything. <laughs> it's not a For sure. It doesn't happen again or happen regularly, but it, you are the kind of person who would do that. Because you <laughs> did do that. Yes, you're right. But you don't need my help at all. You guys have already had a couple of text exchanges, no email exchanges. He's offered his help. So what's the problem? Uh, I mean, the problem was that he had. I mean, he hadn't gotten back to me when I called, and I was just, I was just sort of nervously anticipating his reaction. Um, but I guess his reaction is better than I, I hoped it would be. Did I don't know. I didn't know what he was going to say. He, he's obviously said to you, "I'm willing to like set aside the dirty old man thing and do the right <laughs> thing by you professionally," and. Then you need to respond to him and cauterize whatever attraction may exist, because he may be sitting back there waiting for you to say to him, oh, no, don't turn off the dirty old man thing. I love the dirty old man thing, but can you give me a job? <laughs> and if the way you're feeling is, I'm not attracted to you in the same way I was when I was completely fucking shit-faced in a bar, you need to say that to him so he doesn't humiliate himself by, by pursuing you. He's given you this opportunity yeah. to say what it is you're interested in him for. Yeah, yeah. Either or both. Or neither. And you can come to him and say, I'm, you know, make up a little white lie. He's not involved in your life intimately. Say, I'm seeing someone now, dot, 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 whether it's true or not. Um, but I could sure use some help uh, on the professional end of things, and I did like you, and it would be nice to, to get yeah. to better on a professional and friendship level. Like, just yeah. where you're at. And then he can help you, yeah. not help you, but at least then you'll know, if you do accept his help, that there, there's no expectations on his part that your mouth is going to be wrapped around his cock ever. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it will be good to set up those sort of rules. I don't know. It's just the whole thing struck me as just like I I can't I can't even believe that this is this is happening that this is factual, but it did. It's a small world. So, it's a, it's small a small world, world, and you've made out with a lot of it. It's drunk in a bar, which is just the sort of thing you would do. Say, just, yeah, it's just yeah. So so me. Right, uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old straight female. Um, this isn't really a sex question, uh, but my friends, I thought you might be able to help. Uh, a gay friend of mine from college just sent us this mass email um, to me and like four other people in our group of friends kind of explaining his lack of contact with us for the last few years. Uh, basically, said that he went into this church program uh, three years ago for what he's calling a sex addiction, that he's now no longer gay, and that he is uh, teaching in this church group. Um, I'm not really sure how to react to this news. Uh, part of me is surprised, um, isn't really surprised. Um, I mean, he 
I was always a gay Catholic Republican and kind of struggled with being a gay Catholic Republican. Uh, but I mean, he never really denied who he was. Family was always really supportive. I mean, I don't know. It just makes me really sad and none of us know how to react. I mean, he was just telling us that he was straight now. It'd be one thing, but that he's involved in one of these church programs that quote, you know, saves people from being gay. I mean, I don't know. I I still really love him. Um, I know that he is really nervous about telling us. I mean, he knows how we're all going to react. Uh, one of the people he sent this to is, you know, gay himself. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess my question is, how do I react to this? Um, do we all just kind of email him back and skim it over with a, you know, that's great, I'm glad you're happy, uh, here's what I'm up to, or call him or what I mean I just don't know I just tell him straight up um, I don't know help me Dan joining us on the phone um, from his top secret bat cave is Wayne Besson who is the executive director of Truth Wins Out that's truthwinsout.org it's an organization dedicated to fighting the lies uh, that are promoted against the gay and lesbian community, and Wayne likes to say they have no shortage of work but Wayne you started your organization specifically to address the ex-gay lie because that's the biggest lie of all. I mean, this really goes to the center of what the religious right promotes, and that is that uh, because gay people, they say, can change, they don't need equal rights. Um, and that's really what this is about. It's really not about changing people necessarily, but changing the laws that would keep discrimination alive and well. They say, well, if you can change, you don't need to get uh, same-sex marriage passed. You don't need protection from job discrimination when you really just need professional help and uh, to change who you are. Which is a ridiculous argument for the religious right to make because there's nothing that's easier to change than your religion. And oh, religion yeah. is a protected class. But I could tomorrow say that I'm a Zoroastrian, and Monday say I'm a Hindu, and Friday say I'm a Jew, and Thursday say I'm a Baptist, and a week from Wednesday say I was a non-believer, and I'd be protected every step of the way, despite all that changing around. Right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, but they're really not trying to make sense. They're trying to play on emotion. And there's a lot of people out there who want to believe this rhetoric. They want to believe that their friends and family members can pray away the gay. Because if they, if they accept the other, uh, if they accept otherwise, it means that their, their friends and relatives are going to remain gay or lesbian forever. And if you come from a, a particular religious background where this is rejected, uh, that really is hard for them to take because then they either have to go against their uh, religious beliefs and accept uh, this individual, or they have to reject somebody that they love and care about. And that's why people embrace this, even if it doesn't make sense sometimes. And you know who else I think they're trying to reach? A lot of people in the mushy middle who might be on our side or might not be on our side, but just are sick of this debate. They're trying to tell them that this whole debate could evaporate tomorrow, could all go away if gay people just weren't so stubborn, if we just didn't insist on being gay. Then yeah, we wouldn't have this controversy that we're the ones who are maintaining the controversy, not the people depriving us of our civil rights that we have to fight, but us for refusing to run off and become straight when it's so simple. Yeah, in fact, at the uh, the ex-gay therapy groups, uh, the, one of the leaders likes to say there's no such thing as a homosexual. We're just heter heterosexuals with homosexual problems. And that really does deny our very existence, which does make it easy for them to reject uh, equality. Do heterosexuals have heterosexual problems? Because that's the impression I get listening to these phone calls week after week, that it's not just homosexuals who have homosexual yeah. problems. Um, now, what would you say to this woman? How, like some weak and stupid, which is how I like to describe them, gays and lesbians will succumb to this anti-gay rhetoric. They have, 
you know, religious self-hatred battered into their brains as children. And then they, some people have an, un, you know, unhappy experiences when they come out, blame being gay or the gays uh, for the mess that often they've made of their own lives and then run off and become ex-gay. And how, if you're a loving, supportive friend, are you to react? What would you, what would you re- recommend to this woman? How does she react to this, to her, to this news? Well, I would tell this friend that that you're there for them and remain a friend because they're going to need friends. Indeed, the, the chances of this working are slim to none. Even the major leaders who said they have gone from gay to straight hadn't changed. Uh, I photographed the leader of Exodus International, the largest ex-gay group, who was also uh, the founder of Focus on the Family's Love One Out program. His name was John Polk, and I photographed him in a gay bar. Jerry Falwell's personal ex-gay leader, Michael Johnston, who founded National Coming Out of Homosexual. Day. He had to step down because he was meeting men on the Internet and having sex with them. And I could, the list goes on and on and on. So the chance, this is not going to work in the long haul. So stay there. Be a friend. However, you might gently suggest a few resources, such as our organization, truthwinsout.org, uh, where we've got, uh, we've got the history of what's going on here. And maybe they can be helped in this way. And so instead of being in this, uh, being in this for three to five years, maybe it'll be your friend will be in it for you know less time, six months, a year, and save a lot of this trauma. Uh, and people are traumatized by this when they finally come to us and want to get out of this very cult-like uh, ministries and these therapy sessions. They're devastated. They're shattered, uh, and it takes a long time to rediscover themselves and be authentic with who they are. Even years later, after uh, they're in relationships, they still have uh, bad memories of the therapist or the minister telling them that there's something wrong with them. It, it, the psychological damage is, is really powerful, and that's why it's rejected by the American Psychiatric Association and all the other mainstream medical and mental health groups. Now, as a as a friend, uh, this woman. We're sometimes put in this position of having to like accept or buy off on our friends' identities, whatever they are, uh, as, as a marker of friendship. So when somebody comes to me and says, I'm a lesbian, I have to believe that she's a lesbian. When she comes to me six months later and says she's bi, I have to totally believe in her bisexuality. When she tells me she's straight, I have to believe... You know what, I've had this experience with women, never with men, um, mm-hmm. where like the price of friendship is not just accepting your friend for who they are, but going along for the ride, being like, oh, yeah, that's not only who you are now, it's who you always were, and I believe you 100%. Is that the reaction you should have in a case like this? Or should you be like, I love you, I accept you, I don't believe it? I don't well, believe I think straight it, now. I think it's important to, t- to tell the truth, but do it in a way where you can try to maintain the friendship. But the chances are, actually, that the person who's claiming to be ex-gay, the friend who's saying this, is going to reject the friend. And the reason is because these are like cults. They don't allow you to have much contact over a period of time with people who disagree uh, with the propaganda. And they tell you if you have gay friends, get rid of them right away. If you have any materials that come into your house, that includes newspapers, by the way, because they might have a a story about gay rights, you're supposed to cancel the subscription. And uh, they really isolate people. That's that's what their entire goal is, is to isolate people. In fact, what you'll notice if you go to an ex-gay conference is the lack of questions that are allowed to be asked. Uh, There's no dissent. And if there is a little bit of dissent, it's quickly squashed because it, it really does depend on mind control and creating an alternate reality where they distort science and they, they uh, 
sort of create, uh, I mean, really, it is really a false world, and it's um, based upon you know, outdated science, where they really confuse science with stereotypes. I mean, let's project ourselves a little bit into the future. So this woman does the right thing. She says, I love you. I support you. Please go to truthwinsout.org and read a little bit, because I'm not necessarily down with this. I don't necessarily 100%, but I'm with you. I want you to maintain contact with me. Um, and so a little bit in the future, her friend comes out as X. X gay, which is the phrase that people use sometimes to describe the ones who come to their senses. What's the role then? How do you react then when your friend who is gay comes to you and tells you they're X gay, and then comes to you and tells you, oh no no no, they're X X gay? You throw them a party. What do what do you recommend, Wayne? At that, I I recommend a really good party, and and they're probably going to need one to recover. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, that they just go out, take them to the to the nearest gay bar. And let them be themselves because there's nothing like being authentic uh, to really make somebody happy and feel complete and whole. And, and what's really bizarre about these XK organizations is that they tell people that if you're out, you're not going to be happy. And there's no such thing as a happy gay or lesbian person. And in reality, it's the ex-gay ministries that make people very miserable. And uh, so anybody who's coming out of these is really going to be in the need for a party. I, I, it's been my experience that a lot of the guys that, I, that I've read about or talked to who are ex-gay came out and had very bad experiences as uh, out gay people. They had shitty relationships. They had problems with drugs. They had too much sex. You can have too much sex. Um, and then they do this weird projection thing where it's not the choices they made that made their gay life unhappy. It's that gay life is unhappy, that there's something wrong with gay life, not something wrong with the gay life that they led and the choices they made. How yeah, it's really their noses in that. Well, I mean, it's just a lot of irony. Here they are going to these these conservative organizations that are almost uniformly Republican, and the first thing they do is they abdicate their personal responsibility, which these groups are supposed to promote. Instead of taking responsibility for their own failures in life and uh, the way they've lived it, it's because they're gay. You know, that that crack pipe they smoked, it, it was not because of their choice. It's because they're homosexuals. I mean, the the relationship that they walk out on, oh, it's because they're gay. And uh, that is a good portion of the people we see who go to these ministries in the first place. Um, you know, other people are just devastated after a breakup. And, usually it's they've made a hash of their life and they want an yes. excuse in and out that absolves them. That's exactly what it is. All the blame to the great gay lifestyle. Yeah, and there's also a lot of support in these groups when you go. You know, you go and you sit in a circle, you get to complain a lot. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's like... I like think it's a podcast. That's what I do. I complain all the time. I don't need a circle. I, I, yeah, it should be. They said their logo should be Misery Likes Company. And that's what it's like when they sit around the circle. And you can get a lot of support. You can get all these people at church to congratulate you on, on being this great person and hug you, as long as you're not living life as who you are. It's very conditional love. But some people feel that uh, love, even if it is conditional, and, uh, you know, and, and then decide to enter these ministries. And I always like to say at this point that there is such a thing as an unhappy heterosexual, that some straight people are having a bad time, too, that just fleeing into heterosexuality is no guarantee of happiness. Yeah, that's what's really bizarre, that they, they have this whole dichotomy. They, they, what they do is they build up heterosexuality into a god where there's no such thing as anyone who's miserable. All relationships last forever. There's no such thing as casual sex for heterosexuals. And, of course, gay is quite the opposite. Um, you know, the other tragedy, of course, that I want to mention is the spouses that get caught up in this. A lot of these people pretend 
or even convince themselves that they've gone from gay to straight, and then they bring uh, somebody into it, the mess. They end up getting married and, of course, having children and then getting a divorce a few years later. There are literally thousands of spouses out there who have been divorced because of this charade. I always and the people who promote the ex-gay thing to me, would you want your daughter to marry one? And usually they blanch because, you know what, they don't believe it either. Oh, no, they don't believe it at all. It's a, as you said earlier, it's a, it's a convenient uh, excuse for them not to have to deal with the issue. They so can brush it aside. Any final thoughts for this woman about the situation that she's in with her friend? Uh, just, just love your friend. Meet them where they're at, but also gently suggest that there are other alternatives and that these ministries don't necessarily deliver what they've promised. And if you look at the history of these groups, it's it's a parade of failures. And if you look at their techniques, it's really a parade of follies. Thanks so much, Wayne. Wayne Besson of truthwinsout.org. It's a great group. Go to the website, learn more, give them some money so they can keep doing the great work that they're doing. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. Hey, Dan. I'm a gay man in San Francisco, California. And I was uh, calling because I'm not really sure what to do. I am dating again after a while, and I'm not really sure how to break my dates, but I don't enjoy uh, sexual relations. It's uh, something that's been going on for a while. I have had a history of sort of sexual abuse, I guess you would say, and I'm not sure if that's where it stems from, um, but I I don't really enjoy uh, sex, I guess. I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure how to diagnose that, but I enjoy men, I like being around them, I don't really intend on being with a woman, but once it gets sort of intimate, I can't... Um, make a connection with a guy and I'm not sure how to break that to him. I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to say in terms of like, hey, I, uh, I, I'm i sorry if this sucks for you. <laughs> sorry if I'm not really good at this. Um, I'm not sure when to say it. I started dating again recently and I just don't know when it's appropriate to sort of break the news that like, I don't think that I'm very good at this and I'm not sure what you want to do here. I'm sorry if this sucks. <laughs> Type of thing. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, admittedly sort of confused if you can tell what I'm supposed to do in this sort of situation. Here's what you do in your situation. Don't date. Why are you dating? You're in no shape emotionally to date. When you date, you are presenting yourself to these guys as available emotionally and sexually. That's part of the compact. That's part of what dating means. If you enjoy men, enjoy being around men, but you do not enjoy sex or physical intimacy at the moment, don't have dates. Have friends. Be a good friend. Hang out with a group of guys. Run with a little crowd. Be a matchmaker. Uh, soak up the ambiance of the bars wherever the hell it is that you're meeting guys. But don't go home with people and don't date people. Get a therapist. You should have dates with your therapist, regular dates, maybe twice a week with a therapist to get to the bottom of your abuse issues and your hang-ups and your unavailability. But while you're unavailable, make yourself unavailable. Guys won't have the wrong expectations about what dating you means if you're not dating them.
All right? I mean, I hate to be harsh, but what you're doing is really kind of stupid. And a lot of people do it because people want to have – even people who don't want to have sex feel like they have a right to a love life. And maybe you can meet you know, an asexual dude uh, who has no interest in sex either but wants some intimacy and some companionship and someone to cuddle with. If that's the kind of dude you need in your life, you need to advertise for that kind of dude. And they're out there. You're not the only one who wants you know, some closeness but want, has no interest in sex. I hear from you. You're not the only one, right? Go find one. But you can't – it is cruel of you to allow guys to assume that they have a shot at you uh, by presenting yourself as, as available to them physically and emotionally when you're clearly not. Therapist. Hi, Dan. Um my name is Megan. I'm a 19-year-old lesbian living in the Northeast. Um, I just recently started having sex, and um, so far the two times that I've been on the bottom, um, this weird thing happens with my hands where they go numb, they, they pull themselves into fists, and they lock up, they won't move, and it doesn't go away for a pretty long time afterwards. Um, it's not like an orgasm thing. Like, my girlfriend asked me, but it, like, just happened during the sex. And so I was just wondering if you'd ever heard of this before, if there was any way that I could make it go away or stop happening. So um, any advice that you could give me would be great. Thanks a lot. Bye. This is why we ask people to leave callback numbers because I have so many follow-up questions for you. Like, when you say you're 19 years old and a lesbian and you've had sex twice – on the bottom. What exactly do you mean uh, on the bottom? Uh, Strap-on sex, so you're being vaginally penetrated by a, a sex toy or just you know uh, on your back getting eaten out. Um, those things are relevant. Uh, I, I think what's probably going on here is perhaps unconsciously uh, for a very long time when you've been masturbating, I suggest you masturbate and experiment, that you hold tension in your hands, uh, sexual tension. A lot of times when people are fucking, there's a place in their body where as uh, things become more intense and more physically overwhelming, the sensations, um, some part of their body tightens up uh, and becomes the repository for that tension. It, it's this interplay between you know, your, your muscles and your erotic imagination and the, the intensity of the sensations that you're feeling in your case, in your twat. Uh, so what you need to do is retrain your body to not hold that tension or hold it somewhere else or not hold it quite so strongly. Uh, I would get koosh balls if I were you, but one in each hand if you're having the problem in both hands. But also to have the sex, have it slowly and try to be very conscious of when this tightening up and this numbness begins and when it begins back off. Whatever she's doing uh, to you, do something else for a little bit. Uh, Dial it down, dial down the intensity of it. Keep your hands moving, keep your arms moving. Um, and you can perhaps break the cycle uh, of this tension. Uh, on the other hand, you may have to accept that certain kinds of uh, physical activity, sexual activity, are going to induce this response, at least for the time being, and roll with it. Uh, if it's not doing any lasting damage, if the feeling comes right back, uh, if you're not you know, digging your fingernails into the palms of your hands until you bleed, you may have to accept this as a sort of anti-superpower and sex is the kryptonite for your hands and arms. Um, so long as you bounce right back, I do not believe you're doing yourself any lasting damage uh, through this numbing process. Uh, that's it. Enjoy. Uh, experiment. Learn about your body and how it responds during sex and you can uh, probably overcome this. Yes, you can.
Recently, we had a call from a woman whose vaginal discharge was discolored brown, uh, had a slightly rusty tinge to it, she said, uh, which of course means there's some blood present in her vaginal discharge when she becomes aroused. And uh, I hemmed and hogs. So I don't know what the fuck to tell her. Uh, but some readers uh, – or pardon me, some listeners have phoned in with their POV. We've gotten calls from women who say that they had a very similar problem uh, that cleared itself up when they changed their birth control prescription. So uh, the listener with the rusty vaginal secretions uh, went aroused. If you're listening, you might want to look to your birth control prescriptions. And we also got this letter uh, that I thought I would read because I think it's important. Uh, hey, Dan and tech-savvy at-risk youth, I'm writing in response to the brown discharge dilemma. I, too, had the same issue and after many visits to different gynecologists found out that my problem may have been polyps in my uterus. This was not confirmed until an ultrasound was performed to find out that I did indeed have several hiding up there. So I would definitely recommend that she clue her gynecologist in on this to see whether or not this is the case for her, too. The procedure I had done to remove the polyps was simple and painless, and the best part, the brown discharge is no longer... Hopefully, this will help her best, Angel. Thanks for writing, Angel, and uh, hopefully that will help her if that is the problem. Everyone uh, should run to the gynecologist and get checked for polyps this instant. Me, me included. Well, I'm just vamping now. I don't know what the hell to say. The show's over, everybody. You can put your iPods down uh, and your number two pencils and push away from the test booklet. Oh, where's the fucking phone number? <laughs> You'd think I'd know it by now, and I don't. 206 201 Seven two zero is that the number? Tech savvy at risk youth. There we go. Two zero six two zero one two seven two zero is the number here at the very professional Savage Lab Studios in the twenty third floor of the Washington Mutual Building in beautiful downtown Seattle. And we'll be back at you next week, post Valentine's Day, with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>